you know, we're going through Genesis. We're not in Genesis this morning. We're getting ready to do the life of Joseph. And I wanted to spend some more time studying the life of Joseph before we, we jumped in. And next month is all missionaries all month. So I'll have that whole month to prepare some messages on Joseph. But um, this week, there was something that I lacked in my life. And in talking with other people and knowing what's going on with some other people, I thought it would be really good for us to take the next step in peace. Take the next step in peace. And I kind of figured out part of my reason why I wasn't peaceful, and it's drugs. I, I got a cold and I was taking cold medicine. And, man, I can make a cup of coffee nervous anyway. You know what I mean? And I get on this cold medicine. I am like this, man, and it's just crazy. But it's not really the drugs. It's me. And I need, as a believer, I need to live a life of peace. Of peace. And that's hard. It's hard. We live in a world of turmoil. So let's go to the book of Philippians. Now, remember what our theme is. Take the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That's Psalm 37, 23. And so what we're trying to do this year, all of us, every person, if you're not born again, if you've never trusted Christ alone for your eternal life, the next step you need to take is to trust Christ as your Savior. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, it doesn't matter if you've been saved for a week or 50 years. There's something else that you need to take the next step in in your Christian life. So this morning we're looking at take the next step in peace, Philippians chapter 4, and look at verse 7, the famous verse, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, might keep your hearts... What's your Bible say? Shall. Through Christ Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, help us this morning. Lord, you know that my motivation this morning is kind of selfish. This, I, I needed this. And so, Father, I pray that it will be a help to someone else. And Lord, we need your peace. And that peace only comes through your word and through your presence. Lord, help us to know you better. Lord, we want to honor you through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let's not forget something. This is our authority, amen? Right here. We believe every word of this book. God has revealed to us everything that we need to know. All, he's, the Bible says He's given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. All things. We got it all. And it's all right here. But this peace. So the first thing I guess we've got to figure out is what is peace? What is it? I got Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Let me give you some of the definition of the word peace. And let's see if you pass the test. We'll take this kind of as a test. The first, in a general sense... It's a state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation, applicable to society, to individuals, or to the temper of the mind. How are you doing this morning? And I know it's so funny. You're trying to get ready for church. Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Time to go. Come on. We're going to be late. It's time to go. I told you those kids weren't going to be ready on time. Well, why don't you ever help me with the kids? We're, I, I, all I ever do, I do everything. You know, then you get to the church and you go, hi, brother. Uh, now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands how many of you that was church this morning. And it's so funny. Sometimes you can tell folks have had a bad day because they're not, they're not even aware of what's going on until halfway through the Sunday school hour. See, that's, we don't really care that you come to Sunday school. We just want you ready for the preaching service. And if you're mad halfway through the preaching service, so come to Sunday school. Amen? No. 
peace, peace, tranquility of mind. Now, now some of us, we don't, we never have tranquility of mind. You know, my, you'll always see me. I've always got a book. I've always got something going on because when I stop reading and just sit down, my mind goes. <laughs> How many of you are kind of that way? Just you can't shut it off. Well, that's that's not what this is talking about. God makes people that way. Other people, you're just kind of a dial tone. Mm. <laughs> you know, and somewhere in between is most of us. How many, how many of you know somebody that's a dial tone, you know? Is, all right. You know what the barber told me this week? I was getting my hair cut. He said, people, he always, every time I go in there, he comments that, you know, I'm old and I've got, still got hair. And he said, I can't believe you still have so much hair. And he said, there was a study that said people who keep their hair deal with stress better. I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, that study's not true. <laughs> Dan News, one of the calmest people I know, and, you know, I'm all over the place. I got lots of hair. And Anyway, let's... So, here's another definition. Freedom from war with a foreign nation. It's public quiet. Then how about this? Freedom from internal commotion. Freedom from private quarrels, suits, or disturbance. And it's funny, sometimes we can think that we have peace, and yet the Bible uses this phrase, you're at ought with your brother. That means you're mad at him. You're in conflict. That's not peace. That's not peace. Then I like this. Heavenly rest to the happiness of heaven. Harmony, concord, a state of reconciliation between parties at variance. Do you know that's what salvation is? We've been reconciled to God. Um, so that, that's what peace is. So I wonder today if you have peace. Well, you know, you should. Keep your place in Philippians, but look at, look at the book of John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. If you don't have peace, you should. John 14, 27. This is such an interesting verse because not only does he give us some information, but it's information that will help. Look what it says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So is your heart troubled or afraid? If it is, you are not experiencing the peace that Jesus Christ left for you. And He wants you to be at peace. And notice what it says. You know, it's not, you know, like right now, how many of you noticed that hippie clothes are in fashion again? Right? And... They love the peace sign. Peace, man. Yeah. Peace. No, not marijuana kind of peace. 
uh, not that kind of peace, the kind of peace that Jesus Christ brings. There's a kind of peace that God wants you to have. And I'll tell you what, uh, this is one of the areas to me that I think Christians struggle with more than anything else. Because we live in a messed up world. We really do. Look at what it says. Back to Philippians. If you look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15. This is why it's hard to have peace. I like verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That's hard though, isn't it? Man, I start driving. And my kids now, um, they're really quite disrespectful when we drive. You know, I'll say, Man, you see what that guy did? And Lydia will say, yeah, Dad, they're all out to get you. <laughs> oh, man. She's been listening to her mother. But I do. I murmur when I drive. The Bible says do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now look at this. Verse 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. Now, here's why it's hard to have peace. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. We're supposed to be different than the world, but we live in a crooked and perverse nation. And so sometimes it's hard to have peace in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation. It's just difficult sometimes, but the Bible says that we can, that we can. Peace is a cessation of hostilities. Well, how do I get it? How do I get this peace? Look at Romans chapter 5. Now, it's kind of cool the way that this works. You've got to have the peace... You have to have peace with God before you can have the peace of God. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 7, that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's the peace of God. You can't have the peace of God until you have this peace. Look at Romans 5, 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Before you can have the peace of God, you've got to have peace with God. Uh, when I think it was Voltaire, when he was dying, someone said to him, have you made peace with God? He said, I didn't know we had ever quarreled. Well, that's funny. It's just not true. The Bible says that we are at enmity with God. That means war. That, that's what the word means, war. The only way that we can have peace with God is through the blood and through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've not come under the blood of Jesus, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, what does that mean? Well, the Bible says in Romans 3.10, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. Every one of us has violated God's law. The Bible then says that there's a penalty for that sin, and that penalty is death in hell. It says the wages of sin is death. Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and whoremongers and murderers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So we're all going to die physically. 
The question is, are you going to die spiritually also? If you are condemned spiritually, that means hell. That means separation from God forever. That is the kind of hostility that you have with God until you receive the free gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ is offering. And that's, that's grace. That's gift. I, I quoted that verse, for the wages of sin is death. That's the first half of the verse. The second half says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't work for a gift. You just receive it. God wants to give you eternal life. He wants that hostility to cease. He wants that war to be over. But if you're trying to be good enough to end the war, you can't be. If you think your baptism will end the war, it won't. If you think your church membership will end the war, it won't. If you think being a good mom or a good dad or paying your taxes or whatever is going to help you accomplish that, it will not The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy, he saved us. So the only way you can have the peace of God is to begin with peace with God. There's a great preacher of the past. A lot of you know, I I talk about him a lot. His name is Charles Spurgeon. Listen to what he said. What is the peace of God? I would describe it first by saying it is, of course, peace with God peace of conscience, actual peace with the Most High through the atoning sacrifice. That is that Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross, His sacrifice paid the price for your sin. Now listen to what He says. Reconciliation, that's being brought back together. Forgiveness, restoration to favor, there must be. And I like this part. This is the part that really resonated with me. And the soul must be aware of it. So here's the deal. If I ask you right now, have you made peace with God? Are you sure that if you died today that you're going to heaven? You know, none of us are ever promised a second breath. So if I ask you that question, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? If you don't know, you can know. First John 5.13 says this, But these things are written to you that believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you may know that you have everlasting life. That you may know. You can know that you have eternal life. If you don't know, and if you don't have that assurance in your heart and your soul You need to get that settled because you can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. There's a difference between Jesus Christ dying for the sins of the world and that sacrifice being applied specifically to your account. It's got to be personal. Um, A man conscious of being guilty can never know the peace of God till he becomes equally conscious of being forgiven. See, I know that I'm a sinner. I don't really have to be reminded of that. But I also know that I've been saved. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is my Savior. That's peace with God. That's the foundation of the peace of God. All right. So now how do I get this peace? How do I get it? Well, I've got to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. So once that happens, then I can experience the peace of God. 
Well, how do I get the peace of God now? Who here, you would say, Pastor, I, and I, I'm not ashamed to say it, I know for sure that I'm saved. I know that I'm going to heaven. Okay. Now, those of you who have trusted Christ as your Savior, here is the biblical formula to have peace with God. Let's go back to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, we're in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All right, so how does that happen? Look at verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So what's the first step to having peace with God? What's the first? Stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord. Remember what it says in Ephesians? Let's just read through it quickly. Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Then we understand the rest of the, the, rest of the armor of God. You've got to stand. Now, standing, it's not the idea of just standing around. It's standing ready for conflict. You've got to be ready. When I was playing football, when I was playing, you know, in football, you'd have to get your stance because if a guy hits you and you fall down, you're not a whole lot of good. I remember my coach told me one time to cover this guy, a receiver. Uh, I was playing corner, and this receiver was about 6'5", about 250. And uh, he said, okay, alter. Hit him off the line and stay with him. Bump and run. Okay. I hit him. Then I got up off the ground and chased after him. <laughs> why? I wasn't able to stand. He was too strong for me. That's why we have to learn how to stand in His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We do it with the armor of God. That's the only way that we can do it. So stand fast in the Lord. Okay, back to Philippians. That word fast, stand fast in the Lord, that's the same word we get fastened from. Fastened. You've got to fasten something down, right? Fasten it down so it doesn't blow away. Fasten it down. That's what we're supposed to do. Stand fast, fastened to the Lord. Then, look at the next verse. Verse 2, Ephesians, or Philippians 4, 2. I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. We've got these two ladies fighting in the church. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So he's telling these ladies, look, you can't be at, you can't be at odds with other people in the church. You've got to have the same mind. Remember, in this same book, the Bible says, uh, look, at, look at chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is that? Well, in the context, it is humility of spirit, 
Jesus Christ was willing to suffer and die, become a man for you and me. And then unity of thought and purpose. Look at chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. So here we're supposed to have our conversation, our lifestyle, our walk is supposed to reflect the gospel. And we're supposed to stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So here we are back in chapter 4. Here's how we have the peace of God. Stand fast. Then in, verse two, in, in verses 2 and 3, then we've got to be of the same mind in the Lord. Then look at verse 3, or verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, wait a minute. We live in a crooked and perverse nation. How in the world are we going to rejoice? Well, you understand that you live in a, per, per, in a, in a crooked and perverse nation. You shouldn't be surprised by the wiles of the devil. You should know that they're there. You should be standing in the Lord. You should be striving together for the faith of the gospel, not arguing with other people in the church. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? And now you have a life of joy. Do you know, for, for, for people that are having marriage trouble, do you know the best way to end your marriage trouble? Be thankful. If, if you're having trouble at work, do you know your best way to handle your problems? Be thankful. Be thankful. Thankfulness changes everything, man. When you look around and somebody has stuff that's better than yours, you know the best way to overcome that envy that comes? Be thankful for what God's given you. You understand we all have more than we deserve or need? All of us. Let's be thankful. That, that thankfulness takes care of that anxiety and you're getting that peace so we're going to stand we're going to have the same mind and we're going to rejoice in the lord sometimes always always then look at verse four i'm sorry verse five let your moderation be known unto all men the lord is at hand let your moderation be known unto all men what is that what is that that means if you're up here one minute and you're down here the next minute. People know it. How many of you know people that are like that? The Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men. What is that? That your highs aren't as high as they were and your lows aren't as low as they were. That you're fixed to the Lord. And you stay in control. Remember what you're doing. You're, you're bringing every thought into captivity that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's what the Bible says to do. So now we become a moderate people. We're not crazy. We're not out there wild all the time. We're moderate. Do you know what that's called? You know what another word for that moderation is? Peace. Peace. I wonder. Here's another test. We took the, the Noah Webster test a little while ago. Here's another, another test. If I went to your place of business... And I said, would you describe 
and then I fill in your name. Aaron Hewlin. Would they say, peaceful, good guy, he's steady? Or would they say, never know what you're going to get? How many of you know people like that? You don't know how to approach them because you don't know which person they are that day. Right? Roses are red, violets are blue, I'm schizo, and so am I. (laughs) You know? You don't know what you're going to get. Did you know that nine out of five people in America don't believe they're schizophrenic? Now look at what it says. Look at verse 4 again, or verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Do you know why we should be able to have peace? He's with me. He is at hand. Remember what Jesus promised? Peace I give unto you. Peace I leave you. And he says, not just any peace, but my peace. And then he says this, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Why can my moderation be known to all men? Because the Lord is right there with me. When I can't be peaceful, the Lord is there to help me. When I can't handle that situation, when I can't rejoice in the Lord, when I'm having a hard time standing, when it's hard for me to get along with that other person, the Lord is at hand. How many of you believe the Lord is with you? You really believe that the Lord is with you. You know He's with you? When you are throwing that fit, when things aren't going right, I can't stand this place. This job stinks. Right, Lord? The Lord is at hand. All right. So now, look at what it says. Verse 6. We're talking about how to have peace. Be careful for nothing. Careful. Full of care. Full of care. I'm not going to have you raise your hands. But I wonder how many of you were full of care this week. Man, I was. I was. I thought my head was, my ears were hurting. You know, I was so stressed. My ears, I was so stressed, I couldn't stay at the men's meeting yesterday. I had stuff to do. I had lots of things going on. I had to be ready to preach today. I said, come on, Jake, we got to go. Now, how many of you think that's the way that a Christian ought to live? No. Now, remember, it was just the cold medicine. Not me. Listen, you know what I should have been doing? I should have been resting in the Lord. But how many of you know there's a difference between knowing something and doing something? Yeah. And see, that's where our moderation is supposed to be known unto all men. Now, the bummer is people know it when I'm stressed because my face gets real red. Some of you, you can't show it. You're just hypocrites. One thing on the eye. I'm trying to be true. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm just telling you, our moderation should be known. Now, we live in a volatile world. Honestly, uh, I'm 46, be 47 in a couple of months, May 6th, 44 short, nine shoe. You know. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to be 47 soon. I've, I've never seen the world as volatile as it is right now. Would you all agree with that? Man, it's crazy. It is crazy. Well, it was pretty crazy when Nero was emperor, too. It was. Listen to what John Phillips said. Um, Great commentator. Listen to what he said. What can disturb God's peace? 
Could some happening in a remote part of the galaxy disturb his peace? Of course not. He is omnipresent, always on the spot. Nothing can take place behind his back. He is right there, no matter where, all the time. Could some diabolical thought of Satan disturb God's peace? Could some mystery, some obscure idea, some crafty twist of error, or some plot hatched in the demented soul of Lucifer to thwart God's beneficent purposes and bring new forms of suffering into the universe to serve God's peace? Of course not. God is omniscient. He knows all the wiles of the evil one, and in his infallible wisdom has anticipated and annulled every one of them. Satan's deep counsels are just so much gibberish to God, however clever and sophisticated they may seem to us. Can all the mighty gates of hell disturb God's peace? Of course not. He is omnipotent. He can command galaxies and create atoms. He can toss stars into space and hold satellites whirling at inconceivable velocities on their orbits. There is no physical, moral, or spiritual power that he does not rule with consummate skill and tireless ease. Not in heaven or earth or hell, not now or ever. Nothing can ruffle the peace of God. It is a, it is a calm beyond all storms, a rest beyond all strife, a haven beyond all tempestuous seas. The peace of God is majestic and sublime. Did Soviet atheism and militarism disturb God's peace? Was he intimidated by the size of the Russian army, by the success of Soviet propaganda, or by the worldwide presence of the KGB? Of course not. Long ago, he wrote Russia's doom in his book. In Paul's day, was God upset by Nero? When that evil man burned Rome, blamed the Christians, and began a persecution rarely surpassed in history, did he take God by surprise? Did God hastily cut short the day of grace and summon Michael to usher in Armageddon there and then? No. His peace was undisturbed. All was foreknown. We do not know why God held back His hand then or why He holds it back now, but we'll understand it better by and by. The unfathomable peace of God who controls the universe and pursues a faultless purpose is the peace that Paul commended to his Philippian friends. Their arguing should vanish in the infinite calm of God's peace. Man, that's something. We don't have any reason to lose the peace of God. So we have the peace with God and the peace of God. But when am I going to understand it? When will I understand it? When we go home to be with the Lord. That's it. But I promise you this. When you have genuinely experienced the peace of God, you can't explain it. And most people who have never been through deep, genuine tragedy or emergency don't understand what the peace of God is. How many of you have ever been through something very deep, very difficult, and the peace of God was evident to you? Yeah. You can't explain it. You can't explain it. Laura and I suffered a terrible, terrible loss. And all I could do was put my face in the pillow and cry, Oh, God. But he brought peace. He brought rest. And the Bible says that he comforts us and that we're supposed to comfort others with the mercy wherewith he comforted us. We can do that. That's the peace of God. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4 and finish this up. How do we get the peace of God? Well, we're going to stand. We're going to have the same mind. 
We're going to give thanks. All, we're going to rejoice always. We're going to be moderate because God is with us. We're not going to be full of care about anything. But in verse 6, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What's the result of that? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's finish up with this. Isaiah chapter 26. I told Laura last night what I was preaching on, and she immediately opened her Bible to this passage. I want to share this passage with you. <clears throat> Isaiah 26. Here it is. Isaiah 26.3 Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for he is the Lord Jehovah. For he, I'm sorry, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. How are we going to stand? Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. How are we going to have this peace? Take the next step in peace. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This peace is only going to come through Christ Jesus. Peace with God only comes through Christ Jesus. The peace of God only comes through Christ Jesus. He's our all in all. Amen? Amen. So here's the question. Are you Now some of you are so much at peace you're asleep. But others, <laughs> are you at peace with God? Are you experiencing, if you've made peace with God, are you experiencing the peace of God? Can I tell you something? I feel better right now than I did yesterday. That's good. That's good. But I should have felt better yesterday. Do you know why I didn't? Because my mind wasn't stayed on the Lord. It was on everything else. Folks, we need to experience the peace of God. We need to demonstrate the peace of God. And we need to bring other people to peace with God. Amen? Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord's at hand. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word.